As Canadians, we tend to think about things on a different scale. The vastness of this country makes us think in terms of days of travel by road between provinces. The notion of rail travel is more of a lark than a sensible way to get around. And sometimes even air travel within Canada is a gamble for both the wallet or because of variable weather we experience from region to region. We're the second largest country on the planet. So what would it be like to go from living in a place so vast to a country on the complete opposite end of the scale? To a place that is uniquely small, but also unique in other ways. In this episode, we travel to the last Grand Duchy on Earth, a place ruled by Grand Duke Henri, or, to use his full name, Henri-Albert-Gabriel-Félix-Marie-Guillaume. Plot a course for Europe, because right now, we're headed for the great nation of Luxembourg on the expats. Welcome to the Expats Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Rob Telfer has lived in a few different places. He went from Edmonton to Ottawa, and then from Ottawa to the Netherlands. In his European travels, he met his wife, who's from Estonia, and they've both settled together in Luxembourg. In fact, it's actually been a long while since Rob's lived in Canada. Okay, well, I guess I left Canada in summer August 2010 and from there I was actually living in Ottawa so I didn't leave straight from Edmonton but I left from Ottawa in 2010 after finishing my my law degree and I went to the Netherlands for a master's program at the University of Tilburg which is kind of in I mean everyone knows Amsterdam but it's kind of in the southern province of the Netherlands so close to the Belgian border okay uh, near Eindhoven, actually, um, if that's more of a reference point. And that was an LLM that I did for about a year, so 2010 to 2011. And then in 2011, in the summer, I was done my program. And by 2012, I would say January, February, I was in Luxembourg and have been there since, well, until now. So almost... Well, three and a half years, I guess. Wow. And and a job came up in Luxembourg? Like, I, I don't know a lot of people who are like, you know where I'm going to go live? Yeah. I'm going to go live in the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg. Uh, no, I, well, I finished finished my program in the Netherlands, and then I was looking for a job, and I'd already contemplated, contemplated uh, staying in Europe. And I met my girlfriend in the Netherlands, who's now my wife, and she got a job. She's from Estonia, and so she was also looking to stay in Western Europe. Um, and so she found a job in Luxembourg with a law firm. And you probably don't know much about Luxembourg, but Luxembourg is actually one of the biggest, if not, I think it's the second biggest fund, financial investment fund market in the world behind the U.S. You're kidding. And that's, yeah, that's for a whole lot of complex and not so complex tax and political issues. Um, 
So Luxembourg is a big financial magnet, even though it, the, the country is probably the same size as Edmonton. Um, not in population, I mean geographical size. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and um, so that's all to say that this is a convenient location for not only people who are maybe interested in law and banking, but also for uh, people who aren't um, Luxembourgish. And that is to say that it's such a big financial market that it has a big draw from from Western Europe in terms of nationalities. Okay. And in that sense, and in that sense, you can get away with speaking in English, like the ignorant person that I am. So <laughs> for me, for me, it was a variety of factors that made Luxembourg suddenly the most enchanting place in, in Western Europe. So uh, for someone who needs to lock down not only a job, but also uh, immigration related issues, it's uh, a quite a welcoming jurisdiction compared to its compared to its immediate neighbors, I would think. Okay. Uh, so you haven't, you haven't bothered to learn how to speak either Luxembourgish, German, or French? Well, my French is passable. Oh, good. It's, it's, it's Canadian passable, so <laughs> it's, it's fine. And, and I'm working on that, but because it uh, leads back to my first comment, you're correct with the languages, the official languages, but because it's such an expat society, like just to give you an idea, like the city of Luxembourg is probably has 100,000 people. And that being said, I, I told you that it's still a major financial sector, and that's because probably during the day, the population doubles. Cool. So you have people coming from Belgium, France, and Germany who live in those, in those respective countries, but obviously close to the border. Mm -hmm. And they come in to work for the day, and then they leave in the evening, meaning that you not only have these people, then you have, I mean, given the crisis in the past 10 years, you have a lot of people from Southern Europe which means that at work, the language of choice is English. So for someone who wants to learn and better improve their French, if you're not like really, really, really dedicated, you can get lazy quite fast and fall back into what everyone else needs to talk just to get by. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm also really seriously contemplating learning German too because I think – it would give me a restart on a, on a second language and I can just start with a blank, blank slate with no prior perceptions of the language. <laughs> I think French has been, I think French was ruined for me in Canada to be quite honest. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible to hear. But I mean, what are you going to do? Um, you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned, uh, Luxembourg being a huge financial hub, it actually has the largest per capita GDP of any country on earth. So, so you're obviously exactly. doing some kind of, um, I wouldn't say you're doing law that has to do with business and finances. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I work more for a, what they call a trust company in England. And this, this thing is not really um, something that's very popular in Canada. And it's, it's for a variety of legal and semi-legal reasons. It's not, <laughs> it's just the market is structured differently. Um, and so it's a trust, I'm in the legal department of a trust company. And basically, yeah, it's it's banking, finance related, something I never first saw myself doing. In fact, I was studying mostly international public law oh. in Canada. But in, in Luxembourg, I, I topped that up with a master's in banking and corporate law just so I can better fit into the into the sector here. But yeah, it's it's a very one dimensional market. Hmm, OK. Now, uh, you mentioned a large European expat community living and commuting into Luxembourg. Uh, what about other Canadians? Have you encountered a lot of them in that country? 
Uh, Canadians, is, it's, it's kind of funny, actually. I'm looking out the window of, of, my, of my flat, and the Canadian consulate is across the street. <laughs> um, so, so there is definitely a presence. I would say the presence is more limited to people from Quebec. And maybe that has to do with language issues. Maybe that has to do with nothing. I'm, I haven't been quite in contact with the Canadian community, mostly because I think they're of a different generation. So I, I attended one so-called like Canadian event because mm-hmm. as you, as you, or as we've been talking about, the expat community is quite big and every expat community has uh, kind of like an organized group of some sort and then they set up events. And so I've been connected to some of these through social media and I attended one, but it seems like it's mostly close to retirees with uh, either old children who are probably no longer living here and are deciding what they want to do mm-hmm. or with small children. And they're usually here for some sort of job related, um, related, uh, their parents are here for some sort of business related venture. So it's not like they're here to live, I don't think. And there's a lot of international schools here. So the children can basically keep up with their well, I wouldn't say the Canadian system, but you could be more with peers from England or something like this and have something that's more rel- rel- related to what you were learning back home for the transition back. So it's quite small. I, I've never actually run into Canadians. I've run into a guy who could be Canadian if he didn't, if he wanted to claim the passport, but he's Greek. So that's basically <laughs> as, as far as I get with the Canadian community. Okay. Um, and what what are the attitudes of, of um, folks from Luxembourg towards uh, you as a Canadian? Do they ask you a lot of questions about where you're from, or are they curious? Uh, yeah, Luxembourg, well, they're mostly the first question I, get, I ask is, well, why are you here? Because <laughs> <laughs> Canada is still seen as a holy grail for immigration, and that's... I think that's still partly justified. We could we could talk about what's happened in Canada in terms of that over the past years, but I think I think it's still not a lie. I think Canada is obviously a great place to immigrate to. So the first question is usually like, why are you here? So and so relative, so and so friend is living in a Montreal, Toronto, <laughs> Vancouver. Even why why are you here? <laughs> that's usually how it, that's usually how it first goes. And, and they get the whole big country versus small country thing. So that's the, usually the second question. They're just like, so this is like a joke for you or what? what do you think <laughs> it's like they're kind of, they're kind of uh, hesitant. I don't know. Luxembourgish people are very, um, I would say, small C conservative mm-hmm. in terms of their outlook. That doesn't mean necessarily good or bad. It's just that they're kind of um, closed. They're a little bit cold. Sure. Um, now, I guess guess like their northern neighbors, it's not too surprising in Europe. They can kind of be uh, cold until you get to know them. But with being a Canadian, I think it opens up more questions just because it's a bit bizarre. It's, it's still, I mean, like I said, it's not a country. It's obviously a country everyone knows about and has some opinion of, and usually it's a favorable opinion. But I always get more questions than my fellow friends here are mostly also expats, but they're from boring countries like Germany or Italy or something like this. Or, or just like more well-known countries to the Luxembourg, Burgish people. Exactly. I uh, think, I think Canadians and even our American friends get more attention here because it seems a bit strange for either of us to really be here. Fair enough. But opportunity abounds in the, in this small, small country. You, you mentioned size, uh, um, and that Luxembourg might actually be about the size of Edmonton. Uh, like how do what's what's the relationship for you of the size of the country with with what you're I guess doing there? Like, do you feel do you feel closed in or or you know 
what's the di- what is the what does it feel like differently from Canada? Actually, for me, it's like very, it's completely different in a in a very uh, well, it's not a complicated sense, but it means a lot of different things to me. So, yeah, the country's small. You would think that you know, like I said, probably the city itself. I, I had this preconceived notion of uh, Luxembourg as being like kind of a city state. Yeah. So when I I thought it was more, and maybe this is more of a, a Liechtenstein phenomenon. I thought Luxembourg was basically a city and maybe uh, some surrounding countryside, but mostly a city. But really the city is, I think I said, about 100,000 population. And the country is almost 600,000. Okay. So that ratio is, that ratio is, came as a surprise to me because I, I thought it would you know, be a bigger city and then some little countryside villages. And then you're already in Belgium, Germany, or France. You've already moved. But that's not the case. And actually, the city is quite small and is in the southern half. And then you have this quite amazing countryside to the north, which is rolling hills and kind of it feels like you're approaching mountains. So for this area of Western Europe, it's very um, different. Uh, Belgium and Netherlands being quite flat countries. And uh, well, France and Germany having more dynamics geographically further to the west or east or south, respectively, depending on on what you're talking about. Um, but that, that being said, I mean, the country itself offers more than you would expect. And the second thing I would say is that the size, and given that it exists within the European Union, and within the European Union, it, it, it exists within the Schengen zone, and the Schengen zone meaning no borders. Um, for me, I mean, to go to Brussels, Paris, Frankfurt, Amsterdam, uh, or even Switzerland, even Geneva, these are almost weekend trips. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I find it extremely liberating. Like I'm in a small country, but it's so easy to get out yeah. <laughs> and that you don't even notice, you don't even notice that you've left and all of a sudden you're in another amazing place. And, and, uh, so I don't, I, I unless I've misunderstood your question, I don't really find, um, the size of Luxembourg to be relevant. Like it's such a, it's such a, it's such a unique, weird place because, like we said, it's a duchy. It's mm-hmm. the only one in the world. It's ridiculously small. Um, you mentioned being able to to cross borders without any, you know, really being stopped or anything like that. Um, so, what kind of passport are you hauling around? Uh, do you have? Are you a uh, dual citizen between the EU and Canada? Uh, now that I am married, as of last month, <laughs> right? I have. I have now. Uh, it's, I think it's called, it's, it's basically a permanent residency through a family member. That's what they, that's what they call it. There's some complicated name for it in French, but, uh, basically I'm not an EU citizen by no means. I'm not even a Luxembourg citizen. Well, one leads to the other. You have to be a citizen of a country to be the citizen of the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a permanent re- resident of a European union country. And what that means in practical terms is that if my wife moves to a different country, I have to go with her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I kind of have problems with work permits and stuff like this. But now that I, if we move at the same time, if we move as a unit, then it's never, work permits don't come up and I automatically get them. In that sense, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not an issue. But prior to my marriage, for the, so for the last three years, I existed on the fact that Okay, I told you I went to the, I did a master's program in the Netherlands. And then when I came to Luxembourg, I was looking for a job. And in fact, I decided to do another master's in Luxembourg. Oh, okay. To kill, two, to kill two birds with one stone. One was to learn a little bit more about the local 
finance industry, and the second was to grab uh, easy access to a work permit. Because if you graduate from a if you graduate from a Luxembourg uh, university, then you get a basically you get a, a work permit for a number of years. I don't I didn't look into the number because I knew I was close to being married, so this wasn't going to be something that would I would necessarily have to have a deadline in my mind, but it buys you uh, an X number of years. I think it's between three and five uh, before they reevaluate uh, a renewal of your, of your permit. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's handy. But I guess though, if the wife decides she wants to go work in, you know, uh, Greece, you're sort of on the hook to find a job there or at least go with her. Exactly. Exactly. Until I become or I pass a citizenship test in in some given country. <laughs> now that that brings up a really interesting uh, topic because, as you know, the government of Canada uh, has drafted and 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 put into law some legislation that says they can revoke a citizenship from someone who's a dual citizen. Uh, whether and it's and it's fuzzy whether or not they were born in Canada doesn't really seem to be relevant. Um, so what are your thoughts around that? Uh, how do you think that makes the rest of the world see Canada? I don't know. I think I, I haven't been following it too much, but I did read some articles about this. Um, and I know it's kind of contentious because of people bringing up charter arguments and, and things like this. I think if Canada goes to one of these countries that doesn't allow dual citizenship, I think it's kind of, a, in my opinion, a, a, I want to say a black mark. It's not like... Um, we're talking about something else here, but I think it's, I think it put, would cast us in a more gener in a disgenerous light because I think a lot of people see Canada as of course, uh, an immigrant culture an immigrant nation. And for them to be one, one of these countries that say they don't allow dual citizenship, I think for me, and it's not just the fact that uh, I live abroad. I think I, I would definitely feel the same if I still lived in Edmonton. I, I, I don't see the point really. I mean, the countries that do it over here, and I can't really name them off the top of my head, but they're also countries that are kind of like they're not frowned upon, but the people think, oh, really? Why still, still, uh, still single citizenship? Why? What's the deal there? Hmm. And it's usually with smaller countries, which I can understand. And actually, a good example, or maybe just something interesting to note, would be my, my wife being Estonian, and that country is basically pushed up against Russia, which you could talk about a lot of interesting things about geopolitics going on now with a significant Russian population, minority population, mm -hmm. um, out of a country of 1.3 million. And they have single citizenship, but uh, that's, that comes from like a Cold War mentality where they, they were oppressed, they were occupied, um, they still have a large Russian minority. So for them to be Estonian, you really want to put that on the table and say, yes, I'm Estonian, and no, I'm not Russian. Right. And so I, I think that's why that was initially put on the table. And for countries like this, I think there's more to be said about having, or at least a more of a open debate about whether to allow multiple nationalities or multiple national citizenship to be held by one person. I think in this context, you have a more nuanced discussion, but for Canada to do this, it really doesn't make much sense to me. I'm glad that you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're closer to the you're closer to the issue, so maybe you you see this or you you get a more nuanced view of this in the media. But for me, I'm just reading CBC once in a while, and it seems to me completely completely out of the blue. <laughs> it it does seem that way. One of the th one of the most troubling things for me, just as an aside, is that I'm actually eligible for uh, French citizenship, and the way okay. that the law is written 
makes it sound like if you're eligible for citizenship in another country, uh, regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not Canada is is your, with the country you were born in, they can revoke your citizenship. And you know that really? has that has huge potential for abuse. But the, anyway, that was just an aside. Is there anything that you? I mean, you've been away from Canada for you know just over three years. Uh, is there anything that you really miss about Canada? Well, I, I will, I'll say that I'm actually gone for almost five years. But anyway. oh, sorry, sorry, five <laughs> years. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I just want to uh, give my my thoughts more uh, weighted reflection if it if it's been a longer period of time. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, actually, and I was actually just talking about this the other day with someone because we had someone leave from our office to go back home and home for them is, it's hungry. So it's not, it's, it's not a transatlantic flight like mine would be, but it, the question came up, I guess. And I think one of the things I miss the most is, is, uh, it's not something tactile and it's, maybe I'll explain it poorly, but I think it's Canadian personality, the personalities of Canadians I miss. I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's a, a lack of. I'm also saying this from the point of view of someone who doesn't speak a native language of my country. So maybe sure. it's it's part it's partly on me. Let's put it that way. But I think, I think Canadians um, have a special kind of attitude, which to me, if I had to summarize it in in uh, one word, would be upbeat. Hmm. And and that's not to say that Europeans are not upbeat. It's just I find Europeans to be very pessimistic. And it's not about one particular issue. It's about anything in general. It could be something specific to their country, their specific ethnic background. It could be something linked to their past. And I don't mean their individual past, but like historical sense past or like something outside of themselves. I'm not talking on like a personal level. I'm talking more of like how you act as a Spanish person, how you act as a German, how you act as a French person. Sure. And for me, I I think Canadians... I think we're, I mean, we can get, we're very sarcastic people, I think, and that's something I miss. And we're very humble at the same time. And I think we're, we're quite quick to make fun of ourselves. And I think that, that that's what I miss. I think Europeans are very serious sometimes. I'm talking about like in the average situation, mm-hmm. not, not necessarily on an individual level. I know lots of great people here, of course, but it's just like when you talk about situations and how they feel about something like it could be a government policy. It could be about uh, something EU related people here. I find are very negative and I, and I get as someone who's studied some history and stuff, I get where that comes from. These people suffered two world wars. They might've been on the wrong side of the iron curtain. I mean, I think Canadians understand these parts, but we are kind of passive players unless your your grandpa or my grandpa were involved in the war directly. The rest of our family didn't really feel that. Mm-hmm. So I, I get where they're coming from. I, I get that they're, and I appreciate that, I should say too. I appreciate that point of view because I think sometimes Canadians could take things for granted and, and our European cousins don't. But um, that, needless to say, I still miss the Canadian attitude towards things and obstacles and maybe even just, not even an obstacle, but just like a, a wrinkle in your plan. I think Canadians are more just like, yeah. We'll sort it out <laughs> for better, for worse. Maybe not, maybe not perfectly, maybe not even correctly. Maybe we'll, we'll screw it up. Yeah. But I think our, our, I think our attitude is still more of like, uh, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's not perfect. Let me, let me look at it. And I think with Europeans, they'll get there. And I think I don't want to paint this the wrong way, but I think they'll get there. But I mean, sometimes you're just like, oh yeah, the EU's it's done. It's done. I mean, uh, <laughs> 
Greece, Greece is Greece is out, then it's just going to fall apart. And I'm just like, guys, <laughs> I, I get where you're coming from. You've seen you've seen some stuff. You've been places I cannot understand, except only try to relate to through through literature or 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 a novel or a, or a, or a history book. But uh, I think that that's one thing. And maybe it's a bit convoluted the way I've explained it. But for me, that's one thing that I can't really identify, but I can strongly feel. I, I miss that from uh, from Canada. Well, that's really interesting. I'd, I'd never even thought of that kind of attitude. Most people answer with bacon. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I don't miss this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last question. Oh, uh, one last question for you, Rob. Um, are there any plans? I mean, now that you're married to a woman who's from Europe, are there any plans for you guys to eventually move back to Canada? Uh, to be honest, no, there's no plan. That doesn't mean no. That's just, that's just, there's, there's no plan at this point. It's, it's actually, um, I mean, that being said, I think if we, if, and when we have children, I think, uh, that's something else to think about. Um, no, I, I would, I wouldn't say there's no plan and it's not because I don't, I hate it or something like this. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be the the message here. <laughs> I just think it's it's something that I just haven't considered, and that's because you know Canada was awesome. I lived there for twenty eight, twenty nine years. Um, this is still new to me. I, I'm excited. There's a possibility that we may be moving actually to London next year. Wow! That that would be a, that would be another adventure. So uh, I'm still in, in adventure mode. <clears throat> that doesn't mean Canada is safe mode, but I think it's for me, I'm just I'm having too nice of a time out here to uh, to make any plans that are further than one or two years ahead. That wanderlust that Rob and other expats like him experience is certainly hard to shake. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's create this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. If you like this episode, do me a big favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks.